You only get into out the game what you put into it, Shelley. Mm -hmm. And I put everything into it I could and still do for the people and for the people that I was playing for and the people that I was manager for. I didn't cheat them out of anything. So I put all my heart and soul to the extent that my family suffered. Do you regret that at all? Oh, yeah, I regret, oh, I regret it very much. Yeah. Somebody said the football is a matter of life and death to you. I said, listen, it's more important than that. Welcome to Man Marking, episode six. Today we spoke with Alex Hay. Right, so Alex, could you give us a, uh, a brief introduction to, to who you are and like an overview of your, your playing career? Um, God, you could be over very quickly this, to be fair. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm a local lad, I'm from Rock Ferry, I'm from, that was my park, Vicky Park over there. Um, I just grew up in Cavendish Drive, just a few moves down. Um, went to Rock Ferry High School, supported Tramier all my life, so the first team went to watch. Luckily enough, I got picked up by them. Um, I turned down both Liverpool and Everton. They both offered me pro deals. Everton with a bit of money involved as well. But I wanted to stay at Tramia. Um, with them being in the Championship, I thought I had more chance of getting in there. And then went on to, to reach my dream, to be honest, to play for them um, just over 50 times, which was amazing. And I left Tramia and I moved down south to Russian and Diamonds. Um, and then everything started gradually going downhill. Um, I was struggling with injuries a bit. Mentally, I started struggling a little bit, um, and then once I'd stepped out of the prof professional side, I struggled a lot in terms like of thinking I was too good to be at that level and not playing yeah. properly, and I couldn't mm -hmm. focus properly on it, uh, being part time and money troubles and all that took over. So there was a lot of ups and downs, but managed to play a lot of non-league as well. Um, I was part time player manager of Camelards, and then went on to the scouting side of it, where I've been since. Joining me today to discuss Alex's interview. As usual is Katie, Ryan and Ant, the most deadly from three, since Norwood, Cook and Jennings. Ant, Ryan, Katie, how are we? Hi, good, thank you. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Good, thanks, mate. Last episode of the series, uh, it's been an adventure. How have we all found it? Um, it's been good. It's been fun to uh, fun to do. We've met some, uh, some amazing people, haven't we? Um, and listened to some fantastic stories. It's been nice to hear, you know, what everyone else goes through and, and kind of Gives you a little bit of clarity to your own sort of situations that you've got going on as well. So no, it's been it's been really fun. It's been really insightful. Um, I've really loved listening to to people's experiences of what they've been through and the fact that they've been so open and willing to talk to us and to share those experiences because they've been quite traumatic. And it's been great to see how they've moved forwards and how they're demonstrating, you know, support for other people. Yeah, I've enjoyed um, every minute of it. I'm still not used to hearing my voice back, to be honest with you. But um, it's been it's been good to and to see how open people have been with us. I think the season started off with you boys travelling down to Southampton, which I wasn't a part of, and it ended with this Alex Hay interview, which was in your house, Dan. So I got the I got the um, lucky end of the deal with that one there. To be fair, but now it's been brilliant. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned Alex there, who's a uh... A bit of a rock fairy legend. Uh, could you give us an idea right, of why we wanted to speak to Alex? Yeah, we, we've heard him do interviews on the radio and we know a bit about him as we're all Tramia fans and we've actually seen him play live before. And he came out of the game as a player um, probably too soon. 
but he did stay in football in various roles. And he, I mean, he was managing Camelards in his 20s. He's been head scout at various clubs. He even came back to Tramier under Rob Edwards for a short spell. And we've only ever heard sort of snippets of, of stories from him without really knowing his full story and why he thinks he, he retired from playing football when he did, what he's done since. And just to get his perspective on the game, because he came through at a time that was probably the tail end of that classic 90s dressing room that we've discussed. But has since been a, a, a scout and seen the, the modern day game for what it is as well. So just to get his own experience and his perspective on the game was was really insightful, really. And obviously every episode we have a theme. Katie, do you want to tell the listeners what this week's theme is? Okay, so this week's theme is on isolation, personality and keeping up appearances. We talked to Alex who said that he withdrew from his teammates and that isolation was really difficult and the mental resilience that he needed to try and move forward was really difficult, you know, depending on his character and his personality at the time. And how he struggled and, and felt like he'd lost some sense of identity um, and how it was really difficult to try and keep up appearances, you know, with the role that he played. For those listening who aren't Tramir fans, Ants, do you want to give people a little bit of a, a background of what the club was like at that time? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll do my best. I think I was about 10 at the time, so... <laughs> might not you don't be look it. <laughs> yeah, I think I look about 20. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Tramier at the time had, had enjoyed uh, an amazing 90s period, uh, promotions, Wembley appearances, up to 2000s where they were at Wembley again. And by the time Alex Hay was coming through, the club was kind of not on a decline, at the, as you'd traditionally say, but it was the beginning of the end, really, of that period of success. Alex was a a bit of a, a legend around the Rock Ferry area. Um, he'd been in a, an amazing school team, um, a school that doesn't exist anymore. That school actually was quite well revered in a way for producing footballers. In Alex's school side, there was Alan Goodall, who was a professional who lasted for a, for a very long time, had a very good career. When he talks about, I think he mentions pretty early on in the interview, uh, about Victoria Park, that's the park that I lived opposite to. 26 years 27 years and when Alex played he was he was never really given the I don't think he was ever really given the the criticism that some players would get if they weren't from the area I kind of feel like there was a a, a big backing behind him because he was a local lad and and Samuel is built upon these local lads coming through and, and making good and for those people who aren't from the area that's Rock Ferry same Rock Ferry from Duffy's album yeah it is yeah uh, I think the story behind that, I think it's a dad who um, who who was from here. But Rock Ferry is a it's kind of a strong place. It's built on 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 the back of the Camel Heads, um success with shipyard building. It's gone through some tough times, and it, it is a tough area. But it, within that toughness, it, it brings out characters which are, are very very strong. And you know, much like the the wider area of Birkenhead, it's a it's a strong and big character town. So you've heard enough really from us there. So this is Alex's interview. Obviously, you, you've chose Tramier for Liverpool and Everton with, with a pro deal. So you're coming through there. So what, what was it like? So some big characters at the club at that time. Wasn't Huge it? characters. And it was a big shock to the system, to be honest, because I remember 
towards the end of the season before I left school um, I think Tramie played Bolton um, and it was a stop there I'm getting the, the 100 points uh, 100 goals yeah. so that was the um, that was the last game of the season and I was in the couch shed with all my mates from school I couldn't believe actually two months later I was actually getting changed and then cleaning their boots being out yeah. in front of them and it was like the first couple of weeks is horrendous in terms of pre-season so that was a shock in itself and it was the whole rituals of everything that went on in the background and it was a lot different than what it is now we were given jobs to do yeah. um, was that Les Parry pre-season as well? Les Parry was horrendous <laughs> and it, any ex-player that ever did a Les Parry one I'll tell you it was, it was shocking yeah. but in a, in a way I was sort of loving it because I, I couldn't believe I was like running next to like Lee Jones, Johnny Morrissey, people like this. I was like, oh my God, this is like yeah. the biggest thing ever for me. And I was like, in awe of them. I just could, I couldn't believe I was actually having conversations with some of them and getting battered by some of them. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. But we've got huge characters everywhere and they were big players. They had some yeah. big players there. You forget Liam O'Brien was still there. My first seasons played in World Cups and things like that. And it's some huge characters and it was, it was brilliant to be around, to be honest. And then even the year I think you make your most appearances was that when you've got sort of Simon Howarth and Ian Hume and Definitely. some of those. Well, I, I was lucky during my time there, I think, because Aldo was still training, he was manager at the time, but he was still yeah. joining training and finishing. He was just, I've never seen anything like it. Put him in front of a goal. The angles he used to create with the ball was unbelievable. Through um, <coughs> me time, whose chief was there, Paul Bardow was there, players that have been there and yeah. done it in the top leagues. Joey Barlow. Joey Barlow, Simon Howarth, as you say. Uh, Mike Neal come in as reserve team manager and I was uh, being able to work with some of these uh, and when Ned went into the <coughs> system manager it was like for me it was amazing because yeah. it was just to be around players who are idolised and who played at the top top level it just it, it was amazing for me and how was you with the pressure was it you were rolling young and you didn't feel it or was it all so, so my first season I scored I think it was 45 goals for the reserves and youth team so remember my first B team game scored two away at Wigan um, and I was put into the A team and it was all different then yeah. the A team then was full of second year YTs and then it went up um, you had pros coming down our mom was playing in the A team I think my first game was away at Athens and Scantstani and I scored the winner and then there was a behind closed door game against a t- a t- an Irish team touring um, and I think I was sub, it was all the reserve team playing, and I come on and scored twice, and Aldridge was there, within 10 minutes I scored twice, um, and I was put into the reserves then within three weeks, and the reserves were full, Liam O'Brien, um, yeah. they were all playing, Mobsy was playing, Kenny Irons was playing, I think, and I'd been thrown in, and come on and sub away at Port Vale, and they had some big big time players and I thought, oh my God, this is like unbelievable. Yeah. And I was training with the first team then every day, I was only a kid, but like you said, I had no fear, I had nothing yeah. about me, so yeah. I was still playing, I was wrestling with Clint all the time, like, and some of the older pros were like laughing because I just wasn't, I wasn't bothered, I wasn't yeah. bothered yeah. about who I was playing against or with, and for that first season, I was just on fire, and I think it was because I had no fear, um, I think I scored away at Bolton at the Reebok in the reserves to win 1-0, and um, Yaskalan was in goal, I think, and I'd only come on as so. I think Aldridge did a press conference the following day and was like keeping an eye out for Alex Hayes. Like, yeah. And if he'd have put me in at that point, at the end of that season, I'd have th- I don't think I'd have looked back, to be honest, yeah, because yeah. it was the way it should be. Um, the following year, I'd got an injury. Um, I went over on my ankle and put me back. And then things start, started gradually getting in my head a little bit. I'd had some fallouts with John Aldridge and uh, some of the staff and just little things, but they were weighing down on me a little yeah. bit and um, that was starting how it turned 
I feel like I started thinking, overthinking too much, and I think that's when it started. People have a lot to say about Aldo, both good and bad. Now, I've not got a bad thing to say, really. Some of the way he went about things, I, I don't necessarily agree with, and I yeah. wouldn't have done it. Um, he could be very... It, it's hard to choose the words, the meaning, in a way. Um, but it was how he dealt with people. So yeah. he wanted to, like, really annoy them. So they'd get on a pitch and he'd do it, whereas yeah. some people I possibly needed... Oh, oh man, we sold it then. It was yeah. just like, that's what I needed. But he wasn't like that. So I remember, I think we, we played Portsmouth away in the Youth youth Cup. Um, and we drew 1-1. One, one. I'd scored the penalty. And we got back at like half four in the morning. Then we were up, because we had a reserve game away at Chesterfield that morning. So we were up at like 10 to travel and then play. And he was screaming and dressing me. And then he used like fucking moan about how you feel and things like that. Yeah. And I scored that day as well. And it's just how we went about things. It was just, there was a lot of pressure and it was old school. So even in the dressing room with those old school players screaming at you if you made a mistake, things like that. So it was very, him and Sheeds. And remember one, all the staff, the way it was in these ears. And it always stuck to me. Yeah? And we'd done finishing that morning. I was on fire. We were practicing. We were laying the ball into the ears, taking a touch. Hitting it. And I, in the game, I've come on a sub and Molly knew. Took me first touch and it was too heavy and it's gone straight to the keeper. And that was my chance. And I come off after the game, and then someone said, What happened? And I said, Oh, I was scoring them all morning. And yeah. the, all the staff started laughing at me. I was thinking, I don't need you to laugh at me. Yeah. Like, I'll just say, like, This is what you should have done. Be critical, but like, make it positive rather than such a negative. Yeah. But it was just the way they went about it. And it, I, I saw Aldo probably a year after I broke into, into the first team, and he couldn't have been more happy for me. And yeah. it was made up and things like that. Yeah. So, it was never anything personal. It was just his way of doing it. It was just his way of doing it. And every, every manager's there. And some of the things he used to say to me were spot on, like hugely spot on. Like it yeah. was, you've got to be nasty, you've got to be horrible. If someone smashes you, don't smash them back. But that just wasn't a part of my character. It was like, yeah. I'll get up and get on with it, Sam, but I won't yeah. go and try and get revenge. Whereas he's like, you've got to. And that was just him. That's where he had his edge and that's what he wanted. But that's when things started sort of developing in my mind a little bit. So... I'd always, if I ever dropped back from training with the first team, I'd train with the youth team, I'd be scoring goals like that from centre because it was just like, yeah. I was enjoying it, it was just a game of footy, whatever. As soon as you step up with the first team, you start thinking about everything and you know if you get the ball away. Because those pros were like old school pros, yeah. you were getting battered by them, keep yeah. the ball. And a lot of it was good because you've got to learn like that, so yeah. it's not all bad. You need to, you need some of that because it teaches you, you've got, you've got to be stronger, you've got to yeah. be... But it isn't just like that. I, I talk about it because I go into schools and do talks sometimes, but it was going from school to doing jobs and having responsibilities to do jobs, to clean the boots. I think I was on Kenny Irons, Lee Jones, Gary Jones, the first three players' boots to do. They all liked them different. Jones, he wasn't really bothered, couldn't have cared less about his boots. Um, Lee Jones, like, there's white bits, white than white, and if you wear it, he'd throw you them back. But it was a great way to do it, and it's yeah. just his way of saying, we're the pros, that's where you've got to, when you're, you're there, you've got to do it. But it was just like, if you didn't do the jobs correctly, you'd get battered or you'd be made to run until you were sick or you'd yeah. get the balls blasted out, you'd have boot polish put all over you. So you had to take responsibility. And although now people are looking at that thinking, oh, it's bullying, you can't do that. In a lot of ways, it was good because it did make you. Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was hard to deal with in a lot of ways, but I'm not saying it was all bad. Definitely wasn't bad. And I think some of that, they should be doing things like that. Yeah. Bit, definitely. I felt, because he put me in the team, so I, I made my debut at home to Preston. Um, I did well, should have scored twice. Um, didn't score, but I I got ill after that. I got food poison. So I was in bed for three or four days. 
um, and I wasn't well. I played the following Saturday against Swindon away. I got ill that that Saturday night after the game, um, and we drew two two. Jay scored, Craig Martin scored, and then I got ill. So we were playing on a Tuesday night, and I had started again. Dave Watson had told me I was starting. He was going to give me a run of games, but I got ill. I was too ill to be involved, and then that was it. Then bang gone. I think Stewie scored a hat trick on us on a Tuesday. Oh really? So then. I vanished off the face Fan of the earth, I think, and I never played again that season until probably, I'd say, April time, coming to what I played away at Wigan. Uh, but I remember <clears throat> we got battered away at Peterborough, and Dave Watson said you're playing on Saturday at Wigan, um, which was great because I've been on loan at Morecambe in the meantime. Um, and then I played, we drew, did we drew? Oh, Stewie come on and scored the winner um, against Wigan. Away was one, that game? Two, one yeah. yeah, and then we were playing. I think QPR the next game. I wasn't even sub, and I did all right. I'd done all right in the game. I'd done okay. I uh, don't think I'd done amazing, but I was expecting yeah. to at least be sub. And Nick Henry was like, "What's going on? I can't believe you're not even sub." So yeah, it was like, did you get told why you went in the squad? Well, I went to see him. So this was all like part of growing up. So I went to see um, Dave, and I was like, "What's happening?" He was like, "I'm getting pressure from both in terms of the players on high wages need to be playing sort of thing," and I just yeah. thought, "Well." <laughs> what yeah. you meant to do once I've seen the other side things I get the pressure from both now because I've seen football from all different different sides now but at that time I didn't need that I was yeah. like a young kid trying to, to go along the way but it's it's all learning like getting getting used to knocking on managers doors and things like yeah. that mm. it's, it's a scary thing yeah, to probably. do <laughs> especially with some of the managers we had like it was very scary um, but that's all part of the process and growing yeah. even that season we talking where you made your most appearances yeah but like so Howarth and Hume and yeah, yeah. Kumas earlier on and, yeah. and proper like big footballers as well Sharpsy was, was there playing yeah. Mickey Mouse was was Mickey was there yeah. Mickey was yeah. captain uh, Shane Nicholson Ryan Taylor Ryan Taylor yeah. was loads it was, we had a great squad uh, and the squad knitted together that season when we should have gotten the players so I think we finished on 80 points yeah, yeah. yeah. We were flat. We were absolutely flying and as in terms of team spirit and everything it was amazing we had yeah. a cricket team um, we go and play in cricket in Wales sometimes yeah, on a Sunday yeah. afternoon and we used to go to Birkenhead Park we went and too but we, we used to hide out the nets and play <laughs> yeah. cricket like no one could walk and <laughs> but it was the same spirit it was amazing like with, with some of the lads that, that season like was, was a so brilliant season how old were you that season? still young I reckon about 21 20, 21 yeah so it was, I, was, I was still young but I think it sort of hit a stage where I think the season after that I think when Bay left, because I played most of my games under Bay, Brian yeah. would come in. Um, I'd started getting to the point where I was like, right, I should be in the first team, now, yeah. where I should be. But even then, even I never quite had enough belief in myself, and a manager didn't have enough belief in me to sort of give me a run of games, mm. take the pressure off, just yeah. say, there's 10 games you're going to play. probably unfortunate the fact that that was an either when we seem to have someone scoring 20 goals a season. Well, it was, and it wasn't just, I never scored enough goals in the first team, and that was because I was just never confident enough. So I know during my time on a pitch, I've gone on there not wanting to make a mistake. I'm yeah. so scared of making a mistake yeah. that I wouldn't put myself at risk. Yeah. So if I knew someone's going to whip the ball, I'm thinking I should be there, but if I miss that, everyone's going to scream. And this is uh, going on yeah. in the game, and it yeah. shouldn't be like that. I get half a turn and I should be shooting. If I'm playing naturally, I'm shooting, but yeah. I'm thinking just keep the ball. Yeah, like so that. it all. I was a striker that should have been playing on the shoulder. I was all about movements and pace and things like that. But when I got in the face, all the times I had to play, I was never with a target man. Yeah. So it was like 
my I had to do all the work, so I was having to do jobs and knock out. I was having to hold the ball up, and if it wasn't holding up, everyone was screaming at me. Yeah. The ball was coming straight back. Yeah. I just wanted to run behind. That's all I wanted yeah. to do. Yeah. But the situation of everything, I was never able to do, or I never had enough confidence to just be like, I'm not bothered about that. Yeah. I'm just going to do what I'm naturally good at. Seems to be that lack of reserve football now is a massive oh, problem. It was, well, it was, it was a process. So yeah. you, you, you're not getting out of the youth team, you're going to play reserve team football. And for, for me, jumping on playing against some of the players I got to play against. Yeah. You know if you're not like if you're not working hard enough, you're giving balls away. They're gonna tell you. Yeah. And it's a learning thing. I think sometimes it's all too nicey nicey growing into it. Yeah. Now. And I think that's that's gonna be an issue in, in years to come. Like I think so, that's why some of them get sent on loan. Aldo and sent me on loan to Altrincham. And Mark Ward was manager of Altrincham then, and he was brilliant. He used to go there, scored loads of goals. Kev Ellison was there as well then. Um, scored loads of goals there but in the first game I got chinned I actually got punched by as well like, <laughs> I just remember it because I thought I'd just been chinned on football pitch what yeah. has happened yeah. what, it, was, it was a way of growing and learning about yeah. like man's football and I think all that process is dead important for important moving forward like, so. but sometimes you need that though I think dressing rooms are too quiet now everyone's too nicey nicey to each other you need that you need to have arguments in the dressing room they should be happening a dressing rooms drastically different now from what they were like even even say 10 15 years ago when you were playing i would say so yeah i've been in some of them with some of the clubs i've worked on scouts and seen before the game and it's just like people are scared to say things and mm. sometimes you've got to be bothered sometimes you've got to have players you've got to show responsibility you're better than that what the fuck are you doing you know what i mean i suppose it's and generational it's, isn't it so it is time. generational and it's i remember there was one there was one reserve match and we were all pissed off to be playing it because we were all in and out of the first team. But there was murder in the dressing room, like murder, was yeah. like nearly fights going off and all sorts with some like really like experienced players. But everyone wanted to win. Yeah. But it was good because we went out second half and like we won, we all played well. But yeah. it's taking responsibility. So as long as it's not done in the in the, in the wrong way, where it's like someone just like constantly picking on you and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. If I have mucked up, tell me I've mucked up. It's not, I'm not taking it personally. And, I was never a fan of that because I I overthink situations sometimes. I was all right with that. I don't mind an argument and things yeah. like that. That's all right. But I think nowadays I think there's there's not enough of that, and I think it's changed. Whereas managers don't tend to go off on one at sometimes, and yeah. sometimes it does you good. Like, it does really do, you, do you think there's an element of because I think Ryan and I played for a for a football team together for a long time, and and so we had that sort of change room dressing yeah. thing, and we were talking about it the other day actually because. When we first started playing for our team, we were about, what, 15, 16, that sort of age. And the lads who were, were uh, the older lads were sort of our age now. Yeah, yeah. So I was sort of mid to late 20s. Yeah. And we used to have a lot of back and forth with them, you know, we were the young lads in the dressing room, so we'd get loads of steak and all yeah. the rest of it. And I remember us both would say, it really kind of got us in the mix and like got us used to, you know, we're going to go out there on a Saturday with fellas and we would just, you know, we misplace the pass or don't work hard enough someone will give you grief for it and then when we got to being the older lads yeah. the young lads that were coming in were a lot quieter you wasn't the same generation it's just slowly drifted out yeah. it's drifted out which times change and I understand all that but it was never never always a bad thing it was always and even now if I play in charity games playing with Kenny Irons and players who've played a lot and, and it's the same we get in a charity game yeah. if I give the ball away the ball can be yeah. Yeah. and it's it, I don't mind that it's, it's yeah. great it's that's the way they approach it yeah. yeah. and they, they were like it was very good the way they were it's just I think sometimes looked at it as a bad thing do you ever feel like I wish I'd come through now maybe I wouldn't yeah, be better all the time it. definitely and the times when I started playing my best there was always an assistant manager or someone in the club 
who was believing in me. Mm-hmm. When I first, there was some of the senior pros would grab you on the side and was like, listen, like, I'll be man Stuart Barlow and they can't be grabbing me and saying, you work too hard, you're working far too hard. Yeah. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. It's like, <laughs> but you're working too hard, you should have, you should let them do that, worry about that, don't yeah. worry about it, you just concentrate on that. Yeah, small thing. Yeah. And it's just like being clever in what you do. Whereas yeah. I was, I, I was all, because I was probably a strongly fan, got to work as hard as you can, you got to yeah. do this, you got to yeah. do that. But if that's taken away from your actual job, yeah. then fair enough, it's it's something that you've got to look at. And that's, all the pros always help, but I remember newly coming as a reserve team manager and he watched 20 minutes, he pulled me aside and was like, what are you doing that for? do this yeah. and it'll change the way you play sort of thing it was a very basic thing like I, I was straight on instead of being sideways on and started doing more get the ball see side whatever it was yeah. that's my new he's won a Premier League he's yeah. like partner on the sheet I'm like oh my god he loves me this is amazing and he got me back into the first team he got yeah. me back into the first team I, mean, I scored four four or five goals when I was on loan at Morecambe in one game I knew he met me after the game and he, I was like oh thanks to you. and he was like couldn't have been happier for yeah. me I'm mm-hmm. getting you back in you're getting in that first team and he was amazing just because he built me up and then Ned come in under Vane Mathias again Ned was like building me up like yeah. nothing else and it was just it's what I needed like all the time whenever I was going on the sub or anything instead of me worrying he was sending me on saying you're scoring yeah. what's this and you're going to do this you're going to do that yeah. and it didn't half have an impact on me so having that someone put your arm on me sort of just in the club in the staffing situation made a massive difference for me. So when you, obviously your time's up at Tramia, have they offered you a new deal, you've been released, how did that? that? Um, Brian Little, so when Brian took over, um, I was injured at the time, I had a bit of a nickname then, so I was injured for three or four weeks, and my nickname was, I don't know what I should say, it was Shagget or whatever. I, mean, <laughs> um, I think we can guess what they <laughs> So everyone used to say it like, all the time, and it was just like constant, I think Mickey got in trouble once, was shouting at the referee, he said, you can't be shouting things, because there's like, Families and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I remember coming. So the first three weeks, Brian, I was injured, so you don't have anything to do with the first team then. So I've come back into training that day, and I were doing a circle, and everyone's shaga, shaga, we do this, do that, and he stops training. Like, wait a minute, who's shaga? So I'm like, it's me, and he said that's the best nickname I've ever heard in my life. Like, that was it then, and. I had so it was a strange relationship with him because I think he loved me as a person, loved me as a person. Don't think he necessarily rated me too much as a footballer, but as a person he loved me. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Yeah. Like me enough, I played a few games for him and I was always sort and whatever, but and he used to always, if you never put me on the pitch, he'd say, I'm sorry for not putting you on. This is the reason why I've not put you on. Yeah. And it's like you don't really have to explain that, it's your manager, but he loved me and I remember the day um, he pulled me in. I knew it was sort of coming. But you're always hanging on to that hope sort of yeah. thing. So I went, he had players in one by one um, and he got in and Hilly was there. He got me in and he was like, listen, I've had loads of fucking calls about, yeah, you'll get a club, but I can't offer you anything, um, whatever. And I tried, like, I was mm-hmm. devastated. He teared up, it was like, it was hard. It was a hard thing to do. And it's not nice for him to have to do, but it is part of it. So I was yeah. gutted and I just left the seat in the ground and I, I got into my car and I was driving on Butter Road and I needed to speak to me mum um, and I was crying and a busy knocked on my window <laughs> and I'm like oh fucking hell this is not the time mate. and my mum's saying what's up I said there's a busy outside I'm on my phone she's like oh but just do something so behind the window down it's like you're on your phone mate I'm saying listen mate I've just been fucking let go by trying yeah. it's the worst day in my life just leave me a fucking alone yeah. and to be fair to him he just said 
just put your phone away and get off on gone. So I thought, oh, thank God for that. And I went to the Wetherspoons in town and I met up. It was Mickey and Gray, man. And we got absolutely smashed and went to spoon with Bacon. It was, I think, they released at the same time. But it was, yeah, it was hard to take, but you sort of get yourself there before it. It was yeah. the first time I'd been through it. So at the end of all my other contracts, I'd always got a year extra. So I'd been through the other side, but you get yeah. the extra year. But I'd never thought about the even strong. It was not something I'd ever thought yeah. about. I don't know, we might be better, deal, but did you score a goal home to Plymouth given offside? It was never offside. It was never offside. Yeah. With three Could have been offside, yeah. I jumped in the state. I jumped in the stance. After you basically yeah, yeah. stands, and I remember thinking at the time, he hasn't been coming on. He's no, yeah, yeah. He scored a good goal. And I had it as well. Had it, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if the line had just thought the 3 0 up or something. Yeah, but it couldn't, it couldn't have been offside. Yeah. I remember jumping into the sand, into the fans, and thinking, this could be my celebration, I'm making the most of it. Yeah. And everyone started pushing me, and I was like, what are you doing? Just leave me alone, will you? Yeah, yeah. And I looked, and they were at the other end of the pitch, named Scott. <laughs> but these things happen. I was yeah. trying to enjoy my moments, but yeah. Mentioned there about almost second guessing yourself and, and feeling some anxiety and not comfortable yeah. on the pitch and what have you. How did that kind of affect you mentally? Mentally, it's hard because it's. I used to I used to overthink everything. So if I had a bad day in training, I thought that's me. I'm not in the team. So I was never relaxed enough to think I'm in the team or I'm in the squad on a Saturday. Never ever. Yeah. Uh, I think that has an impact on you because you could never relax. So yeah. even and you should always try and be your best in training and and all the time. I could never relax because I thought. I make a mistake here, I'm not going to be in the squad. So I was always thinking the next game ahead, if I have a bad game on Saturday, it could be me out of the squad and things like that. And it was, it did have an, a mental effect on me. And I don't think you realised it at the time. I think as I've got older, I've sort of realised it. But it did have a, a mental effect on me, definitely. Does that affect you at home as well? Definitely. Because yeah. um, if you're having a bad time, it's your life. It's, yeah. it's everything to do. And people forget that side of it. Um, and it's up and down, it's a roller coaster every single day. So if you have a great day in train, brilliant, marvellous, yeah. everything's on top of the world. If you have a bad day, that goes into two days, bad days, and it's in your head, you go home, you're in a bad mood. Mm. Um, and I was only young, so it wasn't like I was living, I was still living with my parents and things like that. So it, it, but it did have an impact. Like if you if you're not playing well, it has an impact on you. Yeah. You know, you you you've kind of you you come out of time here, then you got you got picked up by Bushman's Islands. You're obviously moving away, as you said, you're still quite young at that time. Yeah. Were there any kind of support networks within the club, within the game, to, no. to help you with that process? I, I ended up isolating myself quite a lot, and I think that I'd never realised what are the reasons why, but I come across all bubbly and confident, and I'm, I'm totally not. Um, if I'm having a bad time, I won't look at people in the eye, I look away, I can't, I can't deal with it. And social situations... And not a great thing for me, and I was having to walk into a new dressing room. Luckily enough, I had Sean Connolly and Graham Allen there as well. Yeah. So we knew two people. But they signed after me. Um, and I remember the club said there's going to be digs here. Um, but the digs was packed, and there was like about six other players there. And I couldn't deal with it. It was just all too, too close. So I ended up paying to stay in a hotel for like two months. Just just a bit. I, need, I felt like I needed my own space. And then I got a flat. Um, I bought a flat. But... I isolated myself, so I was living in Northampton, and there was, I think there was a group of lads living about 20 miles away, there was no one really in the Northampton area, I was on my own, um, and it was my choice, but I didn't, I didn't feel like I could mix well, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't comfortable in me. Um, was there anyone at the club that you spoke to about, about feeling like no, that? No, you couldn't, you could, there was none of that, you couldn't, you couldn't say how you felt on things like that in, in any way, really. Was um, that because you... 
wasn't the right environment to be able to do so you didn't football never was I remember one time at Tramia I think I was having a bad time I was in out of reserves I was like struggling and Nico, Eric Nixon grabbed me in baby once the news goalkeeper coach or whatever then it was like you see maybe the arm what's up with you and that's the only time someone's ever oh, yeah. and it always sticks out like yeah. Nico's not known no for anything like that no, he probably yeah. doesn't remember it because it's probably just a throwaway conversation yeah. but he actually pulled me aside and like, you're looking really down, your body language, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I thought, you've noticed something about me there. So it wasn't, a, it, it, that was the only time I can remember it happening. But I think later on, football, you can't do that. It was like always, Russian were trying to be very forward thinking today. They had like, we were doing yoga and things like that at Russian and all sorts of things which have done it all the time now yeah. but then it was often and they were on the cusp of getting a sports psychologist and I always in the back of my mind thinking I'd love I'd love to speak to one of them because yeah. Yeah. when I'm playing well I'm as good as anyone but when I'm not I'm like yeah. it's because of my mentality it's not good enough but no I never thought I'd speak to anyone about it it was just something that was like it's happening and deal with it all. Yeah. did you enjoy your time there overall? no I hated it I had a bad time and it was things didn't go well on the pitch for the club itself Um Things never went. I think in my in my debut after about one minute thirty seconds, um, belly whipped the ball in, and I hit it first time. The keeper's pulled an absolute whirly off, and it was just like it hit him rather than go in. And that was a story of it for me. Yeah. Just that that if that had gone in, it's all changed. Yeah, but yeah. it was just a season where I was hitting the bar, I was hitting the post. I hit the, the bar three times in one game, and it was just everything I was doing. It just wasn't working. It was just. And it, it couldn't have tried any harder. It just wasn't happening. It wasn't just me. It was the club itself who was struggling. But at home, I was struggling. I was just wasn't happy. I was missing how my life was back home and things yeah. like that. And it was. I just found it very difficult. Just moving away and things like that. Was After that season, you then you went. To, it was a banger. Banger. Yeah. yeah. What was that like? Dropping away. It was horrible. I turned down um, two clubs early on in the window because I when I signed with Rushton. Russian with the first club that come in for me, you're coming for me and someone else. But Russian, I went to see the training ground, they looked like they were gonna go for a promotion, some of the players yeah. were gonna sign. They were very good talking to me, they offered me a really like a huge contract to be honest to what I was used to at Tramia. So I thought I can't really turn this down. So mm-hmm. I jumped in too quickly, I think. Um, and I wasn't really used to the agent was useless, didn't have a clue, gave me very little advice and I'd made a probably a poor decision because I'd left previous agent before that for this agent and he did nothing I got a good deal which was fine but I could have done the negotiating myself yeah. it wasn't wasn't difficult um, and then it, it just didn't happen but I went to I turned two clubs down early doors because I thought I'm going to hang out there'll be things going but as it went on you start panicking and panicking and panicking and then there was nothing there and I could have gone out on trial but I'm thinking trials don't suit my personality yeah. um, I'd be going into a dressing room I don't know anyone if I'm not feeling confident that's, that's sort of it doesn't I've got to feel comfortable somewhere Banger coming in off me amazing money part time I was like I can't really turn that I'm going to have to do it and then just yeah. see what comes up after it yeah. if I do well there for a few months then I'm fine Shrewsbury come in and this was part of the reason why I sort of I gave up Shrewsbury come in after I'd been there for about five or six months and the first few months I struggled like massively I was embarrassed being on the pitch because I thought, what am I doing playing in this yeah. sort of place? And yeah. I'm too good. And that's, it shocks me to say, I, I, you should never think that now. Yeah. But at the time I was, I thought I was too good for it and things yeah. like that. And I didn't play anywhere near it could, the way I could do. Or it wasn't I wasn't trying, but it's just my heart wasn't in it totally. Yeah. Yeah. Shrewsbury had watched me one game and I think I'd scored twice. And I got a phone call saying, 
the manager for Verdi fans to me he wants to sign me but I need to play in a reserve game so the chairman can just put his eye over me and then say yeah yeah, yeah or nay so I thought yes I'm back in I was like so excited man banger and I was like the chairman's actually going to play in a reserve team game and he was like no you're under contract you can't do it insurance purposes and I was like you're going to stop me from like moving yeah. back on and they were like the chairman at Bangor was like you're not doing it it's not happening so it's that that's possibly but I just that to me was like what you meant to do like I know that was that was the end of it for me I, I, I left Bangor went to Mill and started playing on me and again I was just playing I was just playing because I need to yeah. waves that's yeah. all it was yeah. I started getting jobs and normal everyday jobs and it was just like what was going on. Like, what was that transition like then? Horrendous, like yeah. tough because you don't realise what a normal job's like. My first job was in a bank call centre. I think I was left on the phone for two days and then I was sacked because I was swearing down the phone. <laughs> you can't do it, and it is yeah. laughable now. But yeah, I don't under you, you don't yeah. understand how a normal job works. Yeah. I tried every every type of job you can think of and. It was just nothing fitted, and I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to be honest with you. Do you think that um, in that that season at Boston, when you're saying obviously your, your confidence has maybe been knocked and, and you've moved away from home, you've yeah, yeah. feeling uncomfortable. Do you think that's kind of the knock-on effect from that? Is what then almost caused your career to end um, prematurely? Yeah, I'd, 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 I honestly say it's my mentality more than anything. Um, I think you end up like I've had this conversation with a few people, but I don't think I was strong enough mentally, and that's me being yeah. totally honest. Like if if it was now, you'd probably get a lot more help with that. Um, yeah, I wasn't strong enough mentally to, to to play at any high levels. Like I listen to the interviews with the top top players when they're on Sky Sports or BT talking about why what makes them be the top, and you can see it just the yeah. way they're talking. And yeah, like it's it fascinates me how strong in mind I used to. Straight like Jason Kumas was like, people are just brush it off. If someone yeah. says you've obviously brush it off, I couldn't do that. Yeah. I'd take it so hyper personally, yeah. like take over me. Yeah. And you need that's why I wasn't mentally strong enough in, in any way. If I'd have got my head down and sort of not being embarrassed about the level I was playing at, I could have jumped on again. Yeah. And the shoes we think was a bad situation, it should never have happened. However, I could have gone again. Yeah, if I, it can be done, but you, yeah. you need to be strong mentally. And now I, I'm, I'm big enough to say that I wasn't strong enough mentally. Um, could it have been helped? Probably, yeah, but it wasn't. So after you do them day jobs, you then say to yourself, because you, you obviously went to Leeds and did a bit of managing and yeah. scouting, but still prop, really young at this stage. Did you mm-hmm. tell yourself, if I'm not going to play, I need to be involved? Do you know what? I never I never really did. It was just something that happened late. Um, I was close to the chairman at the time. I played there for a couple of seasons. I got on great with them all. I was very comfortable there. The manager left at the time, and the chairman man me and said, "You fancy?" And I thought, "I'll go on. I'll give. It, I'll help you out a bit. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it a go." And then I started thinking, about who can be my assistant?" And I chatted to me dad about it. And then Kenny Irons, for whatever reason, come up because he's horrible. Um, and I mean that in the best way yeah, possible. Yeah. He's actually thought I can be good cop, you can be bad cop. Yeah, yeah. possibly work. So we went with it and it was great. We, we both really enjoyed it. And I got really close to Kenny and like Kenny's so misunderstood. It's like it's unreal. He's got the biggest heart ever. But yeah. I think he, he gives across this big whatever. But me and him became really good mates. And it was it was brilliant to get into it. But it was totally different because in the end, the chairman started, didn't have enough money to pay wages. So yeah. you know, Kenny would have to draw a money out of our own money to make money up. And, it just ended up being a nightmare because the chairman pulled out. Yeah. 
for a few months I was having to get people on the street and do false registrations just to put a team out sometimes uh, so yeah. someone I knew that as you made there just come on yeah, that's, how, yeah. that's how tough it was and I think we played Chester they were on the, the up and coming um, they just reformed it was going to be a massive gate and the, the, the secretary and the chairman who was involved then was like this will pay off all the debts it pays all back the money um, and that money never kind of came and in the end it was just like nah I can't do it anymore yeah. so I resigned from that and then Chester um, I knew Young the manager was like do you want to come and do that scout night so I thought yeah that'll do so Chester was amazing because they had me very invo- involved Jonesy and Young had me involved so I felt like I was part of their team yeah. um, if, I, if I'd seen teams or if I'd seen players I'd be on the bench with them during games and they'd always ask me advice and stuff like that and it was brilliant I felt like being part of a team Trammy come in and it was a case of what do we do Young had left Chester by then um, Steve Bear was manager didn't have as close a relationship with him so yeah. I thought I'm looking to move on Trammy had called I'm going but that materialised out the blue really um, Rob Edwards come in and I knew someone at work at the club I, I was just messing saying get me a conversation with him one conversation with him yeah. and I got a phone call said he, he wants to see you so I thought oh, happy day so I went in um, had a hours meeting with him and um, we hit it off for whatever reason we hit it off and he said I need someone local that knows the place knows whatever he said I want you to come in so I was like happy days I thought I'm back I'm so excited it was like it was amazing once once we started getting to the nitty gritty you could see what was wrong in the club yeah. it was just a horrible atmosphere it, it was horrible there was people within the, the management staff who were did that way just cutting things like that and they were very bitter yeah. I think Robert come in full of enthusiasm yeah. they, they were sort of very bitter and it was like it was all split yeah. and behind the scenes it was horrible it was just not nice um, in a nice environment would he have made a good coach I think he tried to change it too quick so he tried yeah. to make them play pure total football yeah, yeah. And for about the games were so close, they yeah. were so close to being able to carry on the job, but they lost some last minute games or it was nil yeah. or something like that. And it was such a thin line between success and failure. And it was gonna come because the fans were very poisonous at the time now, yeah. because everyone was like fuming and upset yeah. and how everything was going and yeah. and then Mickey had uh, Mark Palace took over. Um, and his first meeting you could sense that Rob wasn't his man yeah. he was like you, you knew it yeah. and we'd gone into like the staff room after and we was like this isn't going to last long unless we win every game it's not yeah. it's not going to last long which is fine that marks the chain he can do what he wants sort yeah. of thing Rob got the sack um, and then Mickey come in and I had one meeting with him and I can't say a great deal and it was just not going to the partnership was not going to work whatsoever yeah. um, that didn't end well. I just didn't like how he spoke um, in terms of how, being respectful of people and things like people lost their jobs, things like that. You should, you've got to be respectful yeah. of them. And it, it wasn't. And how he spoke to me, like, I, I've never had anyone talking to me like that. That didn't go well. It was never going to work. So the decision was made. I had a meeting with Mark Palios and uh, Mick Horn. And they were absolutely brilliant with me, like brilliant, like really nice. I've not got a bad word to say about them and how they dealt with the situation. And doing that full time, I don't think is good for me for my mentality. Yeah. Um, and it was a it was a wake up call more than anything. In a lot of ways, that like doing that full time, it's not it's not for me. And um, there's a lot of pressure involved, like constant pressure. And even now, um, I know there's there's issues with fire at the moment. One fire the playing 
and up a height if we weren't great, if we're not winning. Yeah. It's like, that's me. It has, a, has an effect on my life. Yeah. And that's only my part-time job at the moment, you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. it's like, that's like linking into that and it's like making me down. But if you're yeah. doing well, it's great. Yeah. It's so up and down. I, I, I don't need that in my life, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I need like a sort of, an even playing the field yeah. constantly rather than the up and down. Is it difficult for you? Because you obviously love football. <laughs> yeah. That comes across, but... It's like self-preservation in so much as I, I love this thing, but I need to manage how I Of course, and that's why it's hard now, because when, like, Charles left, um, filed now, so I'm not going to say any hearts on him, but I was working someone who respected, yeah. who respected me, we worked well together, um, if I'd done something wrong, he was quick enough to tell me, like yeah. you, you would on a football pitch, yeah. if I'd done something right, he'd be quick enough to tell me, so yeah. I felt, I knew where I was at with him speak to me four, five, six times a week, where we up to, what do you think I should do, blah, blah, blah. And I knew he was taking my reports and he was using them. Yeah. Do you know, which which means that I never got to go to many foul games. And I think I went to the one last season, the two ones at Wembley, and he had my like opposition reports in the dressing room on there for people to read and things like that. And I thought, he's actually like, yeah, he's, yeah. do you know what I mean? Which is good. And yeah. that's, that's all you need, it was great. And when he got sacked, it just became a job. I was doing a job then, and my heart wasn't in it. Yeah. Although it's still doing a good job, it's 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 that. But as you say, as much as I want it, I don't want to be invested enough where it's having an impact on my emotional like yeah. well being and things like that. And it does. It's like it's so up and down. Sometimes yeah. it's great. And people forget the impact of like traveling and those things as well. Like, well, it's like I've I've travelled down to I've travelled I've done a full day's work. Travelled down to London, watched the game, travelled back, and I had to get up the following morning to do a full day's work and then do a four hour report. And yeah. It, it takes a lot and it's I'm not going to say you don't undervalue the times but sometimes you are yeah, it's yeah. like it's sort of a given he'll do that it's not like what's he giving up to yeah. do that and yeah, yeah you pay the wage to do it which is great and all expensive whatever it may be but it's very undervalued and yeah. there's not much thanks the only thanks I've ever filed is shall that's yeah. it I've never had anything whatsoever yeah. and that's either it's hard to deal with because I think when you put I think you should be nice to people you should be dealt yeah. on a yeah. human level so I think that side of it's hard. Um, it's a harsh industry. Like. And on the family as well, like if of course, yeah, well, yeah. Well, it's like you spend a lot of time. Like yeah. my Saturday is like I'm, I'm divorced now, so I my little boy Carter I have met the other weekend, but that Saturday's taken up with me being a football, so yeah. he's not old enough to come to games with me. Yeah. So it's it's like I'm losing time with him because I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. you've got to pay the bills, you know. But time, time is money, isn't it? That's yeah. what people say, it you lose out on that side of it, so yeah. you, you give up a lot. It's hard, it is hard. Yeah, yeah. you seem to comment on the privilege of being in football, but don't realise this block goes on behind the It's a lot harder than people think, and it's yeah. even as a player, like it's the best thing in the world, but it's very emotionally, it's very up and down. One minute you're on a high, the next minute you're on a low. There's a lot more lows than there are highs, yeah. Um, and it's a constant roller coaster every year, two years, you're under the, the magnifying glass to see whether you're going to be employed again. Mm-hmm. and. Um, I think the, the normal way of world's like changing to go about that the same way, but it's your livelihood and people forget that. Having been through this, the experience that you've gone through, did you do work looking at sort of mental capacity of players when you were making yeah, yeah, people? D- d- due diligence is what always, and if, if it was going to be a, a biggish sign where it's a bit of a risk, you try and do some background checks on them and speak to people who knew them, speak to um, coaches who work with them and try and get an overall overriding about where that meant me more than anything 
do be like a kick up the arse, what type of person are they, what, what do they do outside football, yeah. you, you try to do as much as possible and I'm sure as you go up higher in the levels, that happens more and more, because yeah. you've got to, the player's got to fit the club, it's got to fit everything, if it doesn't fit, it's not going to work, um, certain players might clash in our dressing room, so you've got to figure yeah. it out, no, he's too sparky for our dressing room, it's not yeah. going to work, um, so that's side of it, and I think as you go through the levels more and more, it's it, it's vastly important, and I think that's why, Managers meeting face to face with players before you sign them because I've read some some autobiographies that man, like managers like bit high profile managers will meet them yeah. and actually have to spend a lot of time with them to find it's out. But what I'm like liking here and now is some of the major managers like I want to find out about them as a person. I want to yeah. know what they're like away from football. Yeah. I think that side of things is like is vastly improved. Do you get a call now and then about players? Then um, yeah, I've had I've had lots of calls and yeah. to be honest, the ones like. The ones you sort of know, I've never had. There's, there's not many that you stand out, but someone might be a bit quiet and things yeah. like that. And if I know whoever's bringing me, it's like they want someone a bit vocal on that. Yeah. It's like, I don't think it'll suit you. Yeah. I don't think it'll suit you, so, yeah. You've spoken in the past about the idea of having some financial troubles. Yes. Yeah. How did they come about? Just by me wanting to carry on living the lifestyle. So I, I felt, I think it was probably about three years after the stock playing professionally that I started, everything started hitting a brick wall. But for those three years, I was spending money I didn't have. I was living off credit cards because I wanted people to still see me as a, a footballer. Yeah. I was embarrassed, like I was embarrassed about like not being a footballer, I was embarrassed about having to go to work. So I'd often work in places where someone, people wouldn't know me or yeah, have yeah. a clue. I was working behind a bar in Liverpool and trying to be fans like come up to me and was like to sign autographs for me and I was like pouring on my pint and it was the most embarrassing moment and, yeah, like, yeah. and they weren't thinking it was embarrassing they were probably made up yeah, but yeah. to me it was like I can't do this like I literally can't do it and I got myself in loads of debt luckily enough I was I, I was able to keep um, a property I had and things like that so I've got stuff in the background but I literally lost everything like I got like 30, 40 grams worth of debt just off living off credit card and that was because I wanted people still to see me as a footballer and things like that so. and I suppose you'd still some, you'd still have friends who were in the game of course so if yeah. I went out with them like drinking because I remember I come back the season I left Rush and I come back and we play in Hartlepool in the playoffs Yeah. Um, and then the, the day after we got beat I met up with Sharpsy and um, Danny Harrison all over Liverpool I, sh- I probably shouldn't have been going to bars as often as I should because yeah. I knew skin but and with them, I've got to, I've got to yeah. live up to that, I've got to... Got to keep, keep, yeah, keep and they wouldn't have cared less, they'd have been like, I'll have yeah, or whatever, but yeah, my mentality was like, don't let anyone know your skin, don't let anyone know, and then I'd go home and I'd see my bank account the next morning and be safe and think, yeah. I'm going to get out of this sort of thing. Do you think, so, that's a, think that's a, like a men's thing, like a male thing, like a pride? I do, in general, yeah. just in general, like even now, like I'm, I'm the first safe, I'm skint, I'm not bothered about being skint, it's yeah. like, I'm honest about it, I'm skin, but... People don't like to say it because they feel embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's sad. You it seems next to be time, a problem in a game now where these young lads they haven't kicked the ball in one thousands a week. If this this is a massive. Manager. I've talked about this loads. Like it's. I think I made my debut trying I was on one hundred and twenty quid a week, and I couldn't have cared less if I was on five pound a week. It would. I wouldn't yeah. have cared. Yeah. I just wanted to play that, and that's what it should be about. It shouldn't be about the money. I remember Les Paddy as well when he was physio and we talking about contracts and. He was saying what they should do to the young lads is like give them a low small wage but massive appearance money so for yeah. when they're in the first team yeah. that's the impetus you're not yeah. the same money as everyone else now yeah. um, and that's a good impetus because when yeah. you're in the first team you're earning what you should be earning so 
it's I, I, I do think they earn too, too much money too quick now if you go to look at American sports for example they all go through a college system yes, so if you lose out on your sort of your playing career you've done a business major you've done something else where you've got young lads now where very few make it but they just disregard everything else and, like, and they don't think about and I understand it because everyone says you've got to be so single-minded you've got to say I'm going to make it I'm gonna yeah, and yeah. I understand that but you've got to back yourself up but that's where Clubs should have more responsibility. Clubs should be coming in saying this, this, this is the reality of it, and there's no point beating about the bush. Like, because I work for a careers company now, yeah. So I go into schools, but I do more so with the group work and confidence and all this sort of stuff. But it's based around um, careers, but you don't have careers in life. Like, I, I didn't have a clue. Yeah. After. I, yeah. I was lucky that both my parents worked in education, so they were both teachers. So I had a sort of idea what I'm, I might go into later on, and yeah. now I work in that industry. But some people haven't got a clue. Yeah, they've yeah. got no idea whatsoever about what skills can be transferable, what they can do here and there. Yeah, and it's massive. It's huge. It's like I, I was lucky. I got a BTech in sports science during my time at Tramia because you have to do one day's college. I don't even remember doing college to be honest. But I got a BTech, <laughs> but I was able to go to uni later on and do a, a degree in sports psychology because yeah. I got that. But yeah. it should be made more of, and yeah. I think. I've tried to contact the PFA and there's a company actually out there who are going are trying to go mad football clubs and in the, in the academies and things like that and talk about careers because they should be and I think it's that side of the education about when you come out and finish because yeah. even when you finish if you're 35 and you've not played high end championship you're going to have to get a job yeah. unless you've been really really lucky or clever with your money and whatever you will have to get a job and they need, you need help yeah. because going from playing football to doing a job is horrific, it's hard. So presumably then when you were in that in that rut of, of getting into finance trouble, trying to keep up or yeah. there wasn't anyone to turn to, no, no, no. to help you? I was too, I didn't really understand what the PFA did, I didn't understand any of that, so I, I didn't know you could bring people and ask for help or things like that, and I wasn't willing, I just thought, I, I don't know how I'll get through it, but I'll get through it, that was my attitude. And maybe because I came out earlier, I've tried to speak to some of my friends who are just coming out of the yeah. game, come out of the game the last five years and be like, get yourself sore, start thinking about your next step, yeah. you know, um, whether you do or not, a different thing altogether. So is there any advice you would give to a young footballer in a similar situation? I know it's tricky off. I think off just being here, I think <laughs> it's hard because I'm not being like within a, in a club now, so you don't know what the mentality is like in yeah. the club at the time. When I was young, you couldn't you couldn't speak about feeling rubbish or having a bad day or anything yeah. like that. You'd have been laughed out of yeah. wherever you're not strong enough mentally get out sort of thing. Um, but now it's about giving them the education to do it. So I think the PFA, the FA should be going into the academies constantly talking about it. The managers it needs to start with them because it's got yeah. to breathe down. I think you look at some of the top managers now like Klopp, like Pochettino, but he's not involved now. They're all using the, the humanity side of things before yeah. they get to know the players outside of it. They get to know what they like, what they don't like, what their families are like, and things like that. Mm. And anybody about the football second, yeah. well, firstly, is making them feel. And I think it's breathing down from the managers, and I think that's why I like Klopp at the moment. Everyone seems to love him, even yeah. the players that aren't playing. They've yeah, all got respect yeah. for him, and I think that's because they could probably go and knock on his door and say, I'm feeling terrific at the moment, and yeah. it wouldn't make them feel like. Seems to deal with him on a level, doesn't he? Does, yeah. doesn't put himself away. And that's the difference. Yeah. He should be able to go in. Like, I, I, was, I was thinking before, like, I had a, and I, I fell out with those of his air game, and Hilly was there, Richard Hill. And me, Al Navarro, Paul Limbaugh, Danny Harrison, 
we were all playing in it and we were all pissed off because we were playing in it. Hilly's come down and he's tried to have a go at me. And he's had a go with someone else and someone else. And then he's come back at me and tried to have a go at me. So I've, my head's gone. I'm like, who the fuck are you talking to? You've got no idea how much love I've got for Strammy. Mm-hmm. So don't ever accuse me of working hard enough or anything like that. If I'm playing shit, fine, but don't yeah. ever accuse me of not working hard enough, whether it's like a reserve team game, a UC game, whatever. So you've got no fucking idea. And then Evan has stood up and started having to go back, and I think Hilly was a bit like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> 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 Hilly, and Hilly was like, he was a fighter, Hilly, so like, yeah. whatever. So the next day, he grabbed me, and him and Brian Little got me in the in the boom, and Hilly was like, listen, I'm so sorry, I didn't need me to accuse yeah, yeah. you, and if that's the case. Brian Little was like, I need you, I need you, bubbly, I can't have you down, yeah, because yeah. you helped the place so much. and whatever and that was my whole attitude I wanted to be happy and bring a positive attitude but you mask things just in general you mask things like I'm the biggest masking in the world Yeah. and my missus now she knows straight away if I'm not feeling great because I won't look at people in the eyes she knows my yeah. body language I'm not feeling great but I'll come in here all bubbly and I'm feeling all, I'm feeling a bit yeah. <laughs> but I can I can mask how I'm feeling like I do that very well but that's not always a good thing either. So you probably realised when you lashed out that he doesn't do that. No. So I'll pull him. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. But if you were shelter. Yeah. And to be fair, he knew me as that person, so he knew something must have been wrong. Like, yeah. So fair play to him. Uh, but it's just in general, like, don't ma- you don't need to mask things. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm feeling bubbish. I'm feeling bubbish. Okay, you're allowed to feel bubbish. It's not like you're not allowed to. And I think in the past, people always thought it was frowned upon, or you weren't allowed to be having a bad day, but it should be I'm having a bad day. And I'm gonna own it. Yeah. It's my my bad day. So yeah. So later on in life, then, so after your career, mm-hmm. now you, uh, from what I'm gathering from you, like, it sounds yeah. like you you have kind of almost come to terms with you know I've got this issue or that issue. Have you spoken to anyone professionally or medically? Or yeah, what? I did. Um, I met with someone of the PFA range, someone I've met not with for a long time um, over in Liverpool, and it was great. It's just about learn how to manage yourself that's more than anything open your eyes up to it and I think he'd be better to back to a lot of stuff that had happened in the past and it's being aware of all these things can have an impact and if I'm feeling rubbish I know how to sort of manage myself better now some days I have an awful day the last few weeks have been really hard for me um, with the football side of things um, and how that's made me feel then all this coronavirus stuff for whatever reason, it's making me a bit anxious. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I've got no, I need structure in my life, so I'm working from home at the moment. And it's like, I can't deal with it. It's like, yeah. I'm anxious while taking the dog out 18 times a day. <laughs> the dog's made up, yeah. but just to try and get me, me some structure. I'm trying to manage it, yeah. manage it as well as I can. Um, and sometimes it's really hard, but I've learned how to manage it. That's, that's yeah. what I've done more than anything. Um, sometimes it doesn't work. But I'm the first to say I'm struggling here. Like yeah. I, I need like a that's important, isn't it? Yeah, it's feeling just... comfortable enough for people yeah. to, to say it, and I don't think there's enough people. So I can say it to my missus now, like I'm, I'm not feeling low shame. She so yeah. tell me why, what can we do to change and whatever. And just being able to actually say that, like, is everything. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not being made to feel low or snap out of it, you're being a dickhead or whatever it yeah. is. It's, it's very simple steps, isn't it? It's, it's tiny. But everyone, will go, and that's what I say, I go into schools now and I talk about mental health and everyone, it'll have an impact on every single person, mm. whether it's someone close to you or you personally, you will, yeah. and how you deal with it can make a massive difference in, in whatever way. And it, Kevin Ellison, he is the craziest, maddest yeah. centre of attention you'll ever meet. Okay, we used to, I used to 
probably about four years ago we start, but we go to the Maggot every year. Um, me, Kev, Jane Maguire, Danny Addison, Paul Linwood, Alan Navarro, we'd all still go together. So we started when we were trying, we all yeah. used to go every year. Um, but he was the centre of like every laugh, everything, bang, bang, bang. And when he come out and was talking about mental health and he's had issues and things like that, everyone was like, what is going on? How can he be that? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's like, he's the big pantomime villain, yeah. like constantly. Yeah. And, but he loves that. He loves that. But that's his, that's his stage there. But when he's yeah. away from that stage, I think that's when he struggled. And that was a big wake up call for me because he, he was one of my good mates. I didn't have a clue. Yeah. And to me, I felt like I let him down. I've let people down because I'm not being there. Yeah. But then that's my mental health because automatically you think it's about me. Yeah. I've not seen that. Yeah. So that's about my yeah. mental health. So it's, it's just recognising that, that every every single person could be going through something. Don't think you mind me saying it, Dan, that one of the reasons this podcast grew was because you had a few troubles yourself. Mm-hmm. Danny's probably the loudest in our group. Of yes. And uh, whether it's in the footy change room, whether it's on a night out, whether it's even just sitting in the clock bus and trying me, you're always like the one the loudest. <laughs> and then when you came out, you probably a bit surprised that the reaction was so like, mm-hmm. good, wasn't it? But well, yeah, that's the a first thing. step is yeah, just telling your mates, your mates, aren't they? Most of them will do anything for you. Of course they will. And they'll banter you to death. Yeah. But they'll know when it's when it's real. Oh, yeah. As I said, I put something on social media on New Year's Day this year about sort of going to council mm-hmm. and being yeah. and that sort of thing. And I felt a bit of a responsibility to do it because yeah. I know that people will see me as a certain type of person. And to be able to go, do you know what? I've struggled and if I find it hard, so yeah. my help. That's why it's a good thing because one, like, you might be connected to 10 people and then 10 people might be connected yeah, to 10 people and that's yeah. how it grows and that's how it gets better. It's like the coronavirus, it's, a, yeah. it's growing with yeah, whatever, yeah. but mental health growing, but a good thing that people yeah. are talking about it, and that's the way it should be done. People should be listening. And one of my best mates, um, he's had issues, yeah. but I never realised he'd had issues and then he yeah. said he listened to something I'd done and was like, yeah, I've done loads and whatever. And I'm like, well, yeah, but if you ever need to talk, just say. Yeah. And I have messages from your fans, like, direct message on Twitter and things like that if you do need someone to talk to just get to the show yeah, yeah. but I've I've been like thinking about like ways because I looked at your questions before and I thought ways and I, I thought like is a club could there be like a group like a mental health group do you know what I mean where um, I make it into a group thing where you could have meet up once every few months where you have people talking guest speakers and things like that yeah. do you know it was a club thing like trying to do yeah. mental health whatever yeah. it is and that, that to me that's like it could be a good way yeah. of doing it because yeah. I've had so many people through and you've seen it you said you mentioned something on Twitter it's very brave to put it on Twitter and things like that but I've direct messaged people if you need to chat too just give us a shout it's yeah. not a problem and then two days later so thanks so much for doing that but yeah. football's such a good vehicle for that type of thing of isn't it especially now and especially the, the, the closeness that the club's got to the fans it could be the start of like every club getting it do you know yeah. what I mean yeah. and it, 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 I don't think it takes too much to organise, but it could be you meet up every three months and people can tell their story. Not like Alex and like yeah, yeah. Over those, but something like that. And yeah. people actually talking to do it and listening to people who've been through it. Like you could get ex players back and mm. you could just have question and answer. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But that could have a huge impact because yeah. people know they, they belong to something then. Yeah. And when you feel you belong to something, you feel a bit better because you're yeah. not on your own. Yeah. Welcome back. I've still got hands. Katie and Ryan with me. Welcome back, guys. I think one of the big things that Alex touched on there was personality types. I think he described himself as maybe not having the, the right mentality for, for the professional game, which is maybe why he dropped out a bit earlier than he would have liked. And it's quite interesting to see how different 
he was to Jamie Curran, who we interviewed a few weeks back, wasn't it, Ryan? It was. Um, what I found utterly unique about Alex was a lot of players drop out the game um, with a lot of ability because they didn't care enough. And he almost dropped out the game because he cared too much. And I do wonder if he made the massive decision to turn down Everton and Liverpool to play for Tramia because he loved them. Um, and while it was less pressured in the sense of they're a much smaller club, I think it was much more pressured because he loved the club so much. And he talks about how in training, senior players would tell him to, to calm down and not do as much running and just just don't overthink things. And I don't think that was anything he could ever switch off from. I mean, he's lived what a football, was, uh, football fan's dream is of playing for the club you love. But I think he looked back on that almost as a missed opportunity. And it wasn't through lack of ability. It was just because his mindset was constantly putting pressure on himself and second-guessing himself. And it just stopped coming natural like it did in, when he was a bit younger. Um, if you compare him to someone like Jamie Curriton, who doesn't really put that much pressure on himself and just goes out there because he simply loves the game, you can see why one's still playing at 44 and the other one was managing by 25. Um, but it, what what a great lad he was. I think everyone who's met him in the game and has always said what a nice lad he was. And he always talked about nice relationships he had. I think Brian Little actually shed a tear when he when he had to release him. Um, and it sort of comes back to that saying, nice guys finish last. I think if he had a nastier streak in him, then maybe he would have gone a little bit further. But I don't think um, he was one to to sacrifice his own personality to become something he wasn't and naturally he just drifted out of the game. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And one of the things that I, I found really interesting with it was that Alex talked about maybe he wasn't strong enough mentally or maybe he wasn't strong enough personality-wise. And and I have to admit, listening back to it, I, I, I really disagree with him so much as, you know, he's a guy who's, as we say, comes from a, a working-class background. He's He's been a professional footballer. And, and in the local area, a lot of people know who he is and they know his story. And he sat there with us for an hour, hour and a half on a, on a Monday evening in, in my front room and, and spoke about how he'd had issues with confidence and anxiety and money troubles and things like that. And that takes real strength of character and real bravery to be able to talk about stuff like that because it's hard, particularly yeah. at world. And I wonder if it's more, more so not that he wasn't strong enough, that he just had the wrong personality type for the game. I agree. And one thing that really came across in the interview is he didn't, didn't at any stage blame anyone. You yeah. see a lot of people who fall out the game who are very bitter or say, oh, if I didn't have this coach or I had that coach. And he did make comments of he'd probably be more suited to today's game. Um, but he never at any stage blamed anyone but himself. And he said at one point, I just didn't score enough goals. Yeah. And sometimes you can break football down to being as simple as you performed on the pitch. But yeah, I agree. Um I think his personality probably didn't quite match in, especially when he, he lists the players who he came through with at the time. Some proper, really big characters, players who've played at World Cups and, and those type of things. And um, yeah, I think he was his own biggest critic at times, um, but he took full responsibility for that as well. And I think that's quite an honourable thing to do. Moving on to kind of later on in his life when he was dropped out of the game and he, he, he spoke about an incident where he was working behind the bar in Liverpool and a, a Tramia fan came up and asked for his autograph and I think he described it as one of the most embarrassing moments of his life which is really sad when you think about it and I think a lot of footballers who follow the game struggle with that kind of loss of identity don't they Ant? Yeah definitely you can imagine how you know 
he's known for something that he's not doing at the time. He's behind the bar. He's not playing football. It's a bit of a random to uh, to experience. And yeah, you probably would feel a little bit embarrassed because you know he hasn't. Had, he, in his own eyes, he probably feels that he doesn't have the career that he deserves for a for an autograph to be to be given out. But I think when particularly when footballers come out of the game, you know, a loss of identity is is quite just easy to uh, you know attach yourself to because you're not doing the same things. But I think those losses of identities go through different periods of your career. You know, I know personally myself, I've sat there in my own job and thought, oh, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Where am I going to go? And it kind of leaves you in this like kind of velvet lined rut almost. You know, you're quite comfortable, but you don't know what you're doing. You don't know where you want to go with and go forward. Um, and I think that happens to everyone so I think when you encounter that it can be quite weird at times and it takes a couple of days to get over it can take a little bit longer obviously um, I think particularly with sports you know we talk about teams identities and and it normally comes around with like different managers you know what's their identity on this team what's the, the team's identity what's the club's identity and it's kind of a, a thing that needs to be grasped at very very quickly in terms of manager very, very quickly in terms of a footballer, you know, you've got to fit into these different identities. You know, if you look at um, certain characters in the game, you know, your likes of, I know your biggest character I can think of right now off the top of my head, Derek Cantona, his identity was being Derek Cantona. Yeah. But coming away from that, that environment of football, it's not the same identity that he's got. He's completely different to what you'd see on a football pitch. So I think... When we when we come away from those identities, it can leave us in this weird sort of feeling. But I don't think there should be any particular pressure to to grasp it straight away and, and get that identity. I need that identity. I think you've got to try and find it. And I think Alex has found it almost, but a bit later on, and well, in his eyes, when he when he probably would have said he needed to find it, the pressure that he that he talked about, and I think Ryan touched on it before going to Tramia. It'll always be one that he probably asks himself, you know, if I went to a different club, would it have been different? But, you know, when you hear him talk about when he scored that first goal in front of the cop for Tramier, you can see that it, you can you can feel that it that was his dream and he's lived his dream. And I don't think there should be any pressure on him to to look back and think, oh, what might have been. I think one of the other things that was that was that was quite sad to hear really was when he made that move to Rustin and Diamonds, which at the time was it was a good move. They were a football league club. They were they were upwardly mobile and it was probably on decent money as well and, and the facilities would have been good. They'd they'd spent a lot to get to the position that they were. But he'd moved a long way away from home and from someone who's, you know, not spent any time away from home before and to, to kind of move down there, particularly maybe when he's had his confidence knocked by being released. It must have been really difficult and to then get there and and his way of dealing with it was that he isolated himself, which, you know, as all kind of studies and 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 you know stories will tell you that that's not the right thing to do in that situation. I think we're all feeling that right now, aren't we, Katie? With the way that everyone's having to isolate from one another. The thing is, social isolation is one of the worst things that a human being can actually go through. Um, and like you said, we are all going through it at the moment. But everybody's journey, you know, for want of a better word is very subjective to their own experience. Um, I think with Alex, you know, the, the pressure that he was under was absolutely immense. And, you know, that would rock anybody's confidence and, and make them second guess 
their ability. Um, but once you get to a point where your confidence is knocked, it can lead to negative thinking, you know, about are you able to do these things that are, are in your world at the moment? You know, can you live up to, to all of these expectations? And the thing is, once you have these negative thoughts, they do massively have the power to change your brain chemistry um, so much more than positive thoughts do. They're really detrimental to the to the human mind, whereby you can then get yourself stuck in this, this pattern of negative thinking can lead to negative feelings, can lead to negative behaviours. Um, so for Alex, you know, the, the feelings he must have been going through and the fact that his behaviours from those feelings led him to withdraw from other people and be really isolated must have been quite traumatic for for him to go through that on his own um because the the one thing that we do need as humans to get out of that cycle of you know negative thoughts negative feelings negative behaviors is to reach out to other humans and communicate and we can break that cycle but if we don't feel able to do that then it's pretty harrowing and it's pretty traumatic for anyone, regardless of you know what they're going through currently. The nickname that the the other players gave him when he was at Tramu, which if I'm remembering rightly, was Shagger. And we don't really need to go into the uh, <laughs> and outs, shall we say, unintended. Um, and ever had any funny nicknames? <laughs> We're not. Are we doing this? Do you really want to do this? Yeah. <laughs> do it. Really want to do this? Right. So when I was right, we'll go in. So we'll just dive in. When I was thirteen, I joined the um, I joined a, a team of like an open age football team. Um, when I was younger, I used to have my hair quite short, and I've got slightly large ears. Slightly <laughs> out a little bit. I had loads of nicknames like FA Cuppies and blah blah blah, and. Uh, when I got there, I think it must have been about the the second time I was there, I think someone said, oh, you look like Pop, and then that kind of stuck. So I'm 27 now, so for 14 years, I've uh, I've been called Pop. Um, I didn't know what it was at the time, so I went home, and Pop is the guy who, <laughs> like a little puppet who breathes on the screen. And I remember Pop. Yeah, I remember yeah. him. You're showing yeah. your age there, Katie. I know, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You may not you may not have noticed, but it's been painful for me to have to call Ant Ant this whole time. Um having known him for the better part of 13, 14 years, and Ryan's the same, and I've always called him Pop, saved him my phone as Pop, my mum knows him as Pop, my girlfriend knows him as Pop. Uh and to call him Ant for the last few months has just felt bizarre. I don't know about you, Ryan. <laughs> Yeah, I think in a few episodes we've actually said Pob and just hope no one's thought, why have they just said Pob? Um, <laughs> and also it's a bit awkward for the people we're interviewing in case they think we're calling them Pob and they're thinking, why have you just called me Pob? So, yeah, um, he's obviously had the Tony Bellew shout early doors as well, which he's yeah. uh, out there. Yeah, the Tony Bellew shout was a bit, a bit difficult. I have a beard which looks like Tony Bellew's and... Yeah, and a face, and a face, yeah, and a face. Yeah, I mean, you are you were an absolute dead ringer. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was unfortunately I never got the nickname Shagger either, and I can't wear. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all from us. That's all from us for for series one. Thank you so much for for listening, for for downloading and sharing as as lots you've been doing. 
Our next episode is back, first series of Series 2, on Monday, the 11th of May. We'll have another six episodes, two a week, Mondays and Thursdays. Between now and then, there will be some extra content and stuff for you. So get on our Twitter, which is at Markin underscore man, and use the hashtag, where's the talking, lads? If you are enjoying us and enjoying the shows and, and, and what we're doing, then give us a little like, give us a little rating on, on iTunes or whatever your platform is. If you're not enjoying it, then just don't. Just just leave it. And we'll be announcing who we'll be speaking to in Series 2 on our Twitter feed in the coming weeks. So before we finish, we'll be having Alex's quickfire questions. So I just want to say thank you to my wonderful co-hosts, as usual, and Ryan and Katie. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome, mate. It's been a pleasure, as always. So here's Alex's quickfire, and we will see you for Series so, 2. So, football and idol growing up. I'll see you there. What's the funniest shout you've ever had from the crowd? Who's Shaggy? <laughs> <laughs> How many times did you go to Mitzi and he was the biggest shark? Shark? I, I don't know if I was a shark all the time. Every Wednesday, being the Mitzi. Every Wednesday. Here we go into full lockdown, full isolation. Yeah. What foods are you getting in? What are your essentials? Mashed potato. Mashed potato? I'm a massive mashed potato fan. And if you can only say one book, one film, one album, what are you taking? Yeah, no. uh, <laughs> Heat is the film about the Nero album. Yeah. You know. um, album, S Club 7 Greatest Hits. <laughs> and what was the other one? Book. Book. Okay, now you'll do well getting a book. <laughs> um, I don't know. I haven't got a clue about Flat Stanley. That's a book somewhere. <laughs> I don't even know. No, no. <laughs> so FIFA Pro Evo Football Manager, have you ever signed yourself on a football game? No, but I've been dead. I've been told that I was rubbish on Championship Manager. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your favourite moment as a footballer? Just scoring in front of the coffers around me. That's it. Um, favourite ground you've played at and least favourite ground? Probably favourite, Prem Park for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, Probably away from that Hillsborough, just because of the history that being there. Um, and then least favourite, the Vetch Swan. Oh, it was very yeah. ruthless there. If you could have won the World Cup with England or Champions League with a club, which would you have picked? Tramming every time. Just yeah. to win something big with Tramming. And the best manager you played under? Tough one. Um, I'm going to say Coach Warwick, remember? Not, not manager, Coach Warwick. Yeah. yeah, unbelievable. Best player you played with? Oof. Tough one. Um, natural ability, Jason Kumas. Yeah. Million yeah. miles. Yeah. Great carbs on him as well. That's good as mine. Yeah, no, he's unbelievable. Like, naturally gifted player. Like, unbelievable. I don't know if you remember this, but we used to run Rovers Rear Guard for a bit and you played a few yeah, games, games for the games. Yeah. Yeah. Those games are hard though because you've got you don't want to make yourself look stupid. Yeah. But then you want to stand out. But I think we played Bolton in one of the games and I think they were starting to get a bit excitable and things like that. That's why I thought I'm not fucking having that. <laughs> we um, played years ago. We were only young at the time. We got an offer because Richie, who started the team, knew. John Acterberg quite well, he was yeah. buying. So we got us a game, Acto, when he was first out yeah, of the yeah. against their coaching staff. Mate, that was good. But it was only tennis side, but most of them were done. We played like Runcorn, Bersco, those, that sort oh, of left. He must have scored the greatest goal I've ever seen. I think right. every player touched it. Left back to right back, he hit it on the off, yeah. top in, and he just like. Well, I played in one of them against Liverpool coaches, and 
someone rang me and said, will you play? So I said, yeah, it's just be a kick around. And I didn't be, they were good. They were playing like yeah, Liverpool yeah. way. Like yeah. full on Liverpool uh, way. Like, that was mad. Because I, I remember thinking, we were like 18, we were 18, yeah. 19, and thinking, these are all like in their 40s. Well, Steve Nichols, someone like that was sent to bed and he, just, he was about 20 stone. He just couldn't get it off. <laughs> yeah. He just couldn't, he was just pinging it about. There was like a Spanish fella, like, fella playing and I just didn't know who he was. And then after the game, I, it, yeah, like, 32 caps this <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> into the ground. Hayward for the header. And Hayes forced it over the line. And Rovers take the lead. It was flicked on by Hayward. And Hay, three yards out, pokes it home. Another youngster made it four. Alex Hay helping Tranmere to a first win in four and a second successive away win. Northampton nil, Tranmere four. <laughs> you want to get out a bit what you put into it, Shirley? And still do for the people and for the people I was playing for, the people I was managing for. I never, I never cheated them. I never cheated them. I'd do anything. Oh, yes, very much so. <laughs> people, people tell you football's a matter of life and death. I tell you, it's much, much more important than that. Nah. I don't know what's going on. I don't think we know either. To be what's honest. happening? <laughs>